everyone. Welcome to Jungle Coffee Coalition. I am joined with my co-host uh, Wilfred and Fauri Pitzwin. I am Carmel Lorino and I'm a founder of Calzada Coffee and I'm based in Manila. I'm Will and I'm based in Ho Chi Minh City, uh, Vietnam, and I'm the founder of Building.Coffee. Well, it's just building. Um, but I feel like if I don't say coffee, nobody's going to know what it is. So I have a building and there's coffee in it. Uh, Fuadi Pitsuan, I'm based in Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai in Northern Thailand uh, right now. Uh, I am a co-founder of Be Inspired Coffee. I export Thai coffee to the US, to Europe, to Japan, to Australia, and trying to promote are trying to let people know that there is Thai coffee. I've been doing this for, for many years now. Yeah. Cool. And so we make up the Jungle Coffee Coalition. We're going to spend some time in Vietnam with Will and learn more about what he's up to at that origin. And so I guess I'll just start off my first question. Um, Will is, um, how did you get into coffee? Oh, wow. Um, my first experience in, I guess, working in, you know, working a job that had something to do with coffee was in Galveston, Texas. Um, there was, it's like a coastal island um, just off the coast of Texas um, in the Gulf. And there was a small coffee house there. And I worked as a barista for a couple of years. And I really loved that job. And so after a after graduating college, I didn't really like have a plan for what I wanted to do. And so I just kept applying for jobs at cafes, every place that I ended up. And um, luckily, I got hired in Olympia by a company called Batdorf from Bronson. And they were super generous and uh, education focused. And I just like really shot off from there. And that was starting in kind of like the mid aughts. Um, and after that, I got, uh, I did quite a few jobs at that company. And then I moved on to Olympia Coffee Roaster Roasting and um, worked there for a few years as a production roker, roaster and quality control manager. And then um, hopped off to Vietnam at the end of 2012 and have been doing all kinds of things here. And then how... Did you did you have a lot of what you call when you first came to to Vietnam? Not for, first came for coffee in two thousand twelve. Was it a big surprise or was it what was the feeling in the coffee scent? Um, I was so before I moved to Vietnam, I had done quite a bit of reading, um, just whatever reports I could find online. A lot of it was through international. Uh, organizations like FAO um, and then a couple of like ICO reports and things like that. Um, and so I started building a bit of a context for the Vietnamese coffee industry. Um, and then besides that, the only other info I had was kind of the sets of biases and stereotypes that the specialty coffee scene in the U.S. had about Vietnam. Um, and so just kind of putting those two things together really helped me to lower my expectations for anything that was going to happen. And I was just coming out to see what was possible. Um, 
yeah. And, and then what I found when I got here was like a, an extremely modernized and developed um, commercial coffee industry, but nothing even resembling specialty coffee at that time. And out of all of the, there's so many countries of origins of coffee, um, why, why Vietnam? Why choose Vietnam? Um, I think it's because it's my mom's fault. Um, she's, she's from here. And, um, in 2004, after I graduated, uh, my partner and I moved to China and then we ended up eventually in Vietnam, um, uh, six months later. And my mom happened to be in the Mekong region visiting with her family. And so we went down there and stayed with them for about six weeks, I think maybe even longer than that. Um, and then we just decided that we loved being in Vietnam. So ever since then, we had always kind of had like a pattern of, of living in Vietnam for a few years and then back in the States and then back to Vietnam. And so this is actually, I think, our fifth time. The fifth stint. <laughs> our fifth Vietnam stint. Um, yeah. And so, I, yeah, yeah. Started with my mom and then it just kind of turned into a, a second home. I think now we've spent cumulatively about six years, seven years um, in Ho Chi Minh City as residents. <laughs> in, in the coffee sense, uh, when you come to Vietnam, you, you bring this, you know, this legacy knowledge that there was built in the U.S. that you gain in the U.S. and you come to Vietnam, is it much more, or is it very much, you know, bringing the knowledge to Vietnam? Is there the other way around? Are you learning a lot, or uh, during the, these stints, uh, yeah. what what is it like? Like, what have you learned that you didn't know before? And and uh, that's what I'm curious. It's not just one way, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely both ways. And I feel like I've, I've learned so much more since I started engaging in Vietnam than I thought I was going to know, uh, if that makes sense. I, went, I, I came with a lot of uh, ideas. Most of them were wrong or, you know, maybe ill-informed. Um, but just the simple fact that I was um, trying to do those things uh, really... I think it opened the door to a lot of educational opportunities for me. Um, and I, I learned a lot more about the trade. And so I would definitely say that my specialty is still, or my areas of focus happen to be technical um, and very much, you know, focused on coffee quality. Um, and then, you know, all the things that go into producing a quality coffee. Um, what I have learned is quite a bit more like, I guess, temperament uh, for myself and a little bit of discipline around uh, what type of like paradigm I'm trying to impose on the place. Um, and so it really helped me actually drum up and, and use my customer service skills in my own understanding here. Um, and what I mean by that is in customer service, we're always told to try to you know, find out where your customer is and meet them in the middle um, if you really want them to come your way. And mm -hmm. so um, I started applying that to my relationships with the producers and processors and buyers that I had uh, started to meet. And, um, you know, when I 
first engaged, I was, you know, very much like that typical specialty coffee, know-it-all. And, uh, you know, just, just assuming that I had the knowledge that people wanted. And, and when in reality, there was more of a mutual trade going on. And so um, as I learned that, I learned that pretty quickly and early on, I started um, just trying to find out where people's understanding was and then trying to meet them there. Um, and then I, I learned a lot and the people that I engaged with learned a lot in the process on that. Who did you meet first? And, you know, you show up in Vietnam, I'm sure first in the cities. Did you meet farmers first? Did you meet cafe owners? Were folks receptive um, to your thoughts and ideas about specialty? Um, let's see. I, I met a couple of cafe owners and then um, a barista a couple of barista trainers who worked for a, a Lavazza distributor. Um, and those two folks, um, one guy is a, he's a Canadian who's been living here for, I guess about 13 years. Um, his name is Nat Paolone. And he, he introduced me to a couple of people who were his customers. Um, and then those led to other contacts here and there. Um, and one of those was a trainer named Hui, um, who brought me to a cafe that was looking for someone to teach them how to use their roasting machine. And so this cafe was, it was quite funny. They had two, three group Lamarzoko GB5s um, and two Mazer Rober uh, E grinders and a 15 kilo Toper roasting machine but they didn't know how to use any of it. Um, and so they were just sitting there with this fancy looking equipment, but they were still making like their manual Vietnamese drip coffees. And this, and basically the, the GB5 that was installed was their boiler. They knew how to get hot water out of the spout. Wow. That was about it. <laughs> um, and so I, I was like, okay, so I guess now I'm a consultant. This is what being a consultant feels like. And I kind of learned how to do that while I was, while I was uh, getting started here. Um, that place, I ended up, you know, kind of helping them build a coffee program and, uh, you know, getting a good inflow of green coffee um, to kind of keep up with their needs because they were a little bit more quality focused than anybody else at the time. Um, the, the first priority for them was to get uh, all natural coffee or pure coffee because most of the coffee in Vietnam at that time was adulterated in some way. Um, and so what they wanted to do was just like go natural. And then I started teaching them about specialty. Then of course, pictures of latte art and roasting to a medium level instead of super dark. And um, there was just all these little things here and there. And um, so the reason I guess they're not around now is because they couldn't retain staff or managers uh, for some reason or another. I would only be speculating if I tried to guess why. But um, so what actually ended up happened was I ended up training about more than, I guess, two dozen um, baristas, roasters, and like uh, cafe servers. Um, and they all went out and kind of took the, 
those learnings um, and either started their own thing or started working for other cafe companies and then just kind of spread a little bit organically from there. And how did you get to building that coffee? Oh, wow. Yeah. Are we, are we so, passing forward too fast? So? Um, yeah, it, it, there's, quite, there's a few years between uh -huh. that. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll try to keep that part short. Yeah. Um, so basically, I, what I ended up doing after I found that cafe, I found a couple of connections with um, people in Dalat, and uh, that's where most of the Arabica grows, or most of the good Arabica uh, in Vietnam grows. And, and it, in my research before moving to Vietnam, Delat seemed to be like kind of like the ideal place as far as uh, all the right conditions of elevation and climate and all the, all the good stuff that coffee trees like. And then, so I came up to, to Delat and decided we needed to move here so I could get a little bit closer and um and i ended up meeting a guy named michael wood and uh he's in laos now doing amazing work with uh development and arabica um he struggled a lot in vietnam to really get people on board with this idea of specialty coffee production um but together we kind of identified a couple of like growers and uh areas that had potential um but he was a little bit more focused on things that I wasn't that interested in, namely like building his nonprofit business. Um, and, uh, and so I ended up finding another guy named Quang and, uh, who went on to become the founder of La Viet Coffee, probably one of the more famous um, like Arabica slash premium coffee brands in Vietnam now. Um, and he and I basically just like rode around on his motorbike looking for good looking farms and um, during the harvest season looking for parchment that was uh, not too defective looking and basically just knocked on doors and met a lot of farmers in the first year. Um, and then I, in exchange for all the stuff he was doing for me, I trained the staff at his uh, production facility about um, all the stuff. They had this great lab that, and all the equipment that they needed for quality control, but they didn't really have any training. And so we started there and then I gave a few of them barista training and some roaster training. Um, and then we moved into building like quality control systems for their company. Um, that company ended up losing uh, their main investor. And so Quang just kind of broke off and started his own thing, which became La Viet and, uh, and, and the, the rest is kind of history there. Um, La Viet ended up investing or partnering with um, my current business partner to create uh, Saigon's first uh, specialty coffee shop called The Workshop. And, um, and I at that time I had to go, I accepted a job in Singapore. And so I went there for a year to set up a thing. Um, but I would come back to Vietnam occasionally as they were building up the workshop. Um, and then by the time I moved back to Saigon from Singapore, uh, the workshop was up and running, but they were in need of some uh, serious quality training. 
Um, so I got to work again with them. And, um, and then I ended up getting offered my job with Modbar and moved back to the States for a few years. Um, but during that time, I would take vacations back to Vietnam and continue the work here. Uh, and then, of course, I kept in touch remotely with people. Isn't that funny? Um, like vacations nowadays, at least for me, it's similar, right? It's like you go for yeah. coffee <laughs> as part of it. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's not vacation. Oh, I have to go to my second job. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's uh, so I would spend every vacation here in Vietnam, basically like working 14 hour days uh, for 10 days straight. Um, jet lag be damned. Can we rewind a little bit? So it seems like you went for this, for that stint in 2012, you came to Vietnam thinking that you're going to identify growers to, to get to export Vietnamese coffee to the US. Was that, was that why were you I, were visiting farmers and stuff? Yeah. I don't even know if there was that much of a plan. I, I think I just, uh, like, I, I thought I have to bring all this knowledge to Vietnam and improve things. Mm. And I didn't really know what I was improving specifically. Mm. If somebody would have asked me for, you know, my outline or my action plan, I wouldn't have been able to produce anything. I was just mm -hmm. coming. Uh, it was just going to be kind of a chaotic, do everything you can and then see what sticks kind of. Uh, approach to it. Yeah, there wasn't an end so, goal. It was like a no. exploratory, but also you you wanted to, because I feel like that was around the time I was thinking of moving to the Philippines, and I did. I had read um, that piece in um, Sprudge um, about your story and your move to Vietnam. So I followed it yeah. along and just wanted to see that experience. And this was before I knew you, and and so that was 2012 until. When? How long did you spend in that um, in Vietnam? During that? that period, it was 2012 to 2014, um, and then to Singapore, and then back to Vietnam, and then in 2015, late 2015, I moved back to the states. And then spent like you know vacation in between and doing work in Vietnam, yeah. and then yeah. this new like like building building this time and the move back to Vietnam was when did you move? Um, that was December 2018. So one of those vacation visits, um, my partner and I visited Vietnam in July. That's when I came. <laughs> of 2018. That was when we met with you. Yeah. 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 And then and then uh, was talking to my um, business partner, Zoom, and he just, he, he was at kind of the limit of, the workshop roasting in-house. Um, they didn't really plan a big production area, which is what I told them when I first started consulting with them in 2014. It's like, you're going to need more space. And uh, he said, so he, we sat down and he said, all right, I want to open a proper roasting facility that is also, you know, like a good, like a nice lab and a place to host our wholesale customers, um, and host and train them. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do you one better because I wouldn't feel right just coming back to work for a single coffee roasting company. I, I think that would be a distraction from the bigger mission. And I want to do something that's a bit more community oriented. So can we do a co-roasting space? And he, of course, uh, was all about that idea. And um, he's a very community oriented guy, too. And he thought that that was 
this would be a great container for all the projects that we would want to do um, presently and in the future. So um, turned out that the workshops production load only required about two days a week. Um, and so we just basically utilized those remaining days and hours to, to rent roasters to other people. And um, it's been kind of our base of operations for all the projects I've been involved in since then. Um, that was December 2018. We moved here. And then um, by April the following year, we had started construction and installing equipment. So I guess this trip around, there's a much more focused um, stint in Vietnam. And you mentioned earlier a little bit about like, it, you know, just working for one roasting company would detract from the larger mission. Um, what is that? Um, and I'm sure that was a work in progress because now you're here, uh, you're back in Vietnam. Um, what is that working missions, mission for, for you the mission here for me is to lift the coffee industry in, in a meaningful way. And, um, you know, it started out with me using the word specialty coffee a lot. Um, and then as I did more and more work here, I realized that all the segments needed the same sort of lift, which is this kind of bridging of competitors into more of a pre-competitive community space. Um, and to kind of use all the lessons of specialty coffee that I had learned um, in the States to kind of help bring more people together so that ideas could begin to, you know, just kind of grow and blossom off of one another. Um, and, and getting people together is actually what grows the community uh, rather than individuals operating in a bubble trying to grow their own thing. And so... Um, I feel like we've definitely accomplished that in, in quite a few segments of the coffee industry here. Um, and I guess there's, there's just more and more to do. The more I, the more I do, the more there is to do. Yeah. And then in that sense, right, like what we do collectively as in each of our origin, it's, it's also learning from each other and um, building and creating community beyond our borders. Right. Um, I think definitely. we, um, we are trying to do the same in the Philippines, but also regionally, I think it's important to have folks to chat with, um, to commiserate with, but also share our triumphs and milestones with, right? So. Definitely. I got, um, I got a lot out of that short stint in Singapore, actually. I, you know, it started out with me just kind of like resigning to the fact that I wasn't making any money independently here and it was going to be a few years before I could make any money. So I had to start just looking for honest work. And luckily I found a job nearby that allowed me to fly back and forth. Um, and it was in Singapore that I really like started to grow my international and Southeast Asian coffee network. Um, a lot of things, a lot of things kind of, coalesce in Singapore uh, for a lot of the Southeast Asian community. So it was kind of a natural place mm -hmm. for everyone to come together. And so I, I really feel like I owe at least half of my network to my time in Singapore. Bowdy, is this a good time to ask your question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
we we talk about this uh we before the episode start that there's one question that i i really want to ask we about because we'll talk to us before about how uh how it has been his idea to you know to keep the coffee, Vietnamese coffee in Vietnam to grow the community to be strong enough that Vietnam doesn't need to, to export the coffee to rely on the export market. I'm wondering if how far are you getting on that mission now? And then and, and, and are you are you still on that mission after opening uh, building dot coffee for a while now? Uh, I, yeah, I think so. Um, the 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 original goal wasn't exactly that i was just you know like i said i was just trying a bunch of things out to see what would work and what i had learned was that there are enough coffee drinkers here mm-hmm. and not enough specialty level or even premium level arabica to support what was beginning to shape up at that time and so i just kind of shifted gears and said, okay, fine, we will focus on domestic consumption um, in order to absorb whatever specialty production is being um, made. And then that will help to, in turn, encourage the growth and we'll, we'll gather more growers and producers that way if we can demonstrate to them that the local market is willing to pay this much. Um, and so that has definitely continued to grow and i think if i decided to just focus mm-hmm. on specialty production for the domestic market i i wouldn't be that disappointed um but i think as far as uh you know like a greater general mission one of those is for me personally is to kind of improve vietnam's international reputation as a coffee producer mm-hmm. um so it, you know the quality question is always you know kind of the concern when it comes to Vietnamese coffee. Um, most of it is, you know, hastily and high volume prepared. And and so there's a pretty bad reputation for the quality of Vietnamese coffee. So mm-hmm. one of those things, one of those parts of the mission for me is to improve that reputation in some way, at least to show people that more than one thing is possible here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, that's coming up, but I think what we're going to need is um, some notable roasters internationally to buy Vietnamese coffee and celebrate it themselves instead of it just, you know, being inside mm-hmm. our own mm-hmm. consuming population. So I think the next step for us is to set aside um, some of our production, you know, maybe just a pallet or two mm-hmm. uh, and getting it into the right roasters hands mm-hmm. um, at that point to just kind of just to kind of help us in all of our in in all of the efforts uh to to kind of give it a little bit more mm-hmm. what uh integrity or notoriety uh so people locally start to feel even more proud of what they've been enjoying already domestically mm-hmm. yeah i I have been reading this stat. That's why I, I went quiet when when Kamel caught me off guard just now <laughs> as will was reading. I I look up stats of of Vietnamese coffee production in 2018. Uh, total total production is uh 31.6 million bags, and we we I think I think generally we assume that about 10 percent of that will be Arabica, which means about three th- about three million bags 
of Vietnamese coffee are Arabica. And you know that 3 million? You know how, how much Cotemala produce each year? <laughs> four, Probably. 4 million. Yeah. So it's almost <laughs> the total production of, of Cotemala. Uh, Nicaragua is 2.8 million bags. You know, uh, Mexico, 4.3 million bags. So, so I just want yeah. to give the audience that, that perspective that even though, you know, you don't, don't hear much about Vietnamese Arabica, but it's almost the same total volume of production with Cotemala. Yeah. Uh, it, it's double the size of Costa Rica. Costa Rica has produced 1.4 yeah. million bags yeah. per year. Yeah. So I think that that's a really important message that I, I like to, I like to bring up when talking about Vietnamese coffee. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. We have the potential to be like just another Arabica origin. Forget yeah. even thinking about robusta or fine robusta. Yeah. Um, and and these the appropriate Arabica regions mm-hmm. that are currently succeeding in Vietnam are not appropriate for robusta. So mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to see that proportion change much, um, except you know the effects of climate change are going to reduce viable um area but uh as far as like producer growers making the decision to switch to robusta that's not possible in a lot of these arabica regions Mm. so we're not going to see like a a bait and switch (laughs) so to speak even if we talk about arabica now the robusta especially robusta is also up and coming as well right oh yeah and there's so much more of it every time i turn a corner Uh here it seems I'm finding a new producer of of fine robusta. And so, with fine robusta, is it local market also that are paying higher prices for it and want to keep it and market it as fine robusta? I'm curious. I would say it's probably about half and half. Okay. There are a lot of um, more and more European, more forward thinking European roasters, and some folks in Australia. Um, are catching on to this fine robusta, and everybody in the U.S. and and elsewhere that I've shared um, samples with have been blown away by the potential and by the quality of it. So um, we're right now we're in kind of the changing hearts and minds mode, um, just trying to get people o- to to open their minds to just try it, yeah. um, and then I think after a couple of years we'll we'll be able to more correctly identify market potential for it. Yeah, a bit interesting because, I mean, the Philippines for the most part um, is a predominantly robusta going country as well. Um, And the areas we want to grow into um, and start processing are have robusta, but I haven't figured out, you know, we're still learning so much about Arabica in this new um, undeveloped uh, market and origin. and so trying to get into the Robusta um, aspect, yeah. um, it's going to be a learning curve. And also like we don't, that's not where our current market, I don't know any buyers at this point for that. Um, but yeah. that's what we were supposed to do, right? Like I think just for the pod, uh, the listeners, um, uh, the reason why we're doing this now, this podcast is we were supposed to have um, a tasting and also a talk at the World Coffee Expo that was supposed to be happen in Portland. Um, and so you guys would have been able to taste uh, some of our product um, and also hear our stories from our each of our origins. But we wanted to do that now uh, virtually uh, so we can still share and then you guys can listen in. 
Um, but I guess to kind of wrap things up, uh, Will, um, what we now know what you're up to in Vietnam, what you're currently doing with building, what does it look like in the next year? Um, I know there's still a pandemic going on, but are there things um, that uh, the listeners should be um, tuning into with what you're doing there? And um, what does the next three to five years look like um, for you and building? Um, well, for there's there's a lot of moving parts here because, you know, we've basically just created a lab for us to do all the interesting projects we want to do. And so I'm learning about running and keeping a business alive. It's very basic 101 stuff for me because that was always the part of the coffee industry that I avoided was the actual business part. <laughs> um, and, and so I'm learning all of that. I'm getting a crash course in a lot of that kind of stuff at the moment. Um, and basically we've hit a space a place where we're stable and building is, you know, covering its own expenses um, but we need to grow a bit more. So I'm learning quite a lot, um, a lot more like on the ground lessons as far as uh, what this market is prepared for uh, in terms of coffee quality, in terms of variety, in terms of uh, roast levels even, and just learning that this market is extremely diverse mm-hmm. Um here. And so kind of continuing to develop the roasted coffee arm of building uh, into a bunch of those diverse points and trying to learn what we can. And so we're, of course, we're gaining customers and trying to gain business. But in the process, I'm trying to learn a lot about just how diverse this market is and can be. Um, and then in the lab, the container part, we're, we're still, um, you know, we receive random and expected samples from producers all over the country who want us to give them feedback and uh, just try to tell them what they need to do to get their coffee to the spot that they want it to be. Um, and then lots of solicitations. And so it's it, all of these things kind of work towards building up our, um, our general knowledge and learning about this market in the present and what the potential for in the future is. Um, and then, you know, using this as a headquarters for the my international friends to kind of have a, a, a peek into the Vietnamese coffee scene. And so um, I do get a lot of people uh, reaching out to me with questions about Vietnam in general. Um, and so this has been a really good container for that. Um, we've got some projects that were working collaboratively on with some roasters in Dalat um, on the farm level. We're testing a lot of different varieties we've gotten access to. Um, uh, a lot of those varieties were thanks to you, Fwadi, and hosting a visit of, of a few Vietnamese mm-hmm. um, specialty coffee people in Thailand. And we we're able to uh, maybe not so legally um, <laughs> import a, a lot of different uh coffee varieties from there and so a couple of them really have taken um have taken nicely to the conditions in Dalat. um specifically the serena uh variety mm-hmm. um that is it seems to be really happy in the climate in Dalat. oh so, cool I, i'll so let caleb know that yeah <laughs> please tell him thanks and you know 
that we'll definitely share the first production mm-hmm. um, as soon as that happens. This which is be, what the coalition's all about. Yeah. yeah, this this year this year we might get like a little half harvest off of them, and then next year will be our first production year for the Serena. Um, and then another exciting one was is uh, Star Maya seems to be doing really well um, in Dalat. So we you know we just kind of threw a bunch of uh, seedlings in the ground and are just collecting information about which ones seem to be doing well, mm-hmm. um, and then we're going to focus on those and. Um, Basically, I've got a couple of producers there who have agreed to rejuvenate their farms at a rate of five to ten percent per year, mm-hmm. and we're going to replace those those trees that they pull up with some of these new varieties, um, depending on their level of interest in either developing um, some new information or research, or in just growing the ones that are doing well so far. Um, and so that's exciting. And I so exciting. And I. And I, you know, there's more. Um, <laughs> and door number three. Uh, but wait, there's more. Um, I, I'm also toying with and trying to find potential collaborators and investors um, for a maybe one or two micro dry mills in Dalat. Mm-hmm. Um, the only m- dry mill that's the appropriate size for the for the lots that we're producing um, is at La Viette and every harvest season, they seem to be hitting um, full capacity um, at inconvenient times. So we're probably going to have to expand that in some way or another. Um, and so, you know, maybe dry mill 2022. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we've got a lot of, a lot of things on the stove um, and just trying to see what sticks and what we can make work. Cool. And it's cool. exciting to know you're doing both farm level and also um, cafe and roasting level as well. It's like you're um, collaborating in different components of the value chain, all in origin, right? So yeah, and that, and it's helping me to avoid the part that I'm not really great at, which is um, the logistics and trading. Um, I, That's I, okay, Fowdy and I can can help you on that okay. front. Okay, I, maybe I'll just call you guys managers, and then um, and then I'll just do what you tell me to do. Um, but you know, for me, I think if I'd have had to take on all of those responsibilities, including trading and logistics, I I wouldn't be learning as deeply as I am about yeah. the things that I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thankful for that. Yeah. But I I will eventually I'll have to learn that stuff too. I'm sure. Yeah, one step at a time. <laughs> Two steps, two steps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. farm and right. roast. Yeah, I can, I can hop. So two <laughs> steps at a time. Okay. Cool. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share? I think I have, I've gotten the answer, questions I wanted to ask out. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's so much to share yeah. about this exciting scene. And I get overwhelmed and haven't been updating my blog or my social media about it because I've just been so busy with my hands doing the work mm-hmm. so i'm gonna have to back up um in the near future and maybe you know produce a little bit more online content <laughs> well this is a start right oh hey, this is content this is content okay. <laughs> um cool um uh, well thanks will for sharing um what you're sure. up to in vietnam um and thanks everyone for listening into the jungle coffee coalition um, yes. Our next episode will be either 
about me in the Philippines or about Fadi, we haven't. We're going to rock, paper, scissors, and see <laughs> who gets to talk next time. Who's next? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. And that's another episode of the Jungle Coffee Coalition. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We are also on Instagram at Jungle Coffee Coalition. Thanks for listening.